Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by mentalmastery.com.au, the show dedicated to fun mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. Roscoe here, your co-host, sitting alongside Jamie Glazier, all the way out there on the Gold Coast. Jamie, welcome back to Australia. Welcome back to the podcast. Well, we had a podcast. We had that great episode last week with Cassie Porter. Uh, this is one where you and I are going to do a little bit of a deep dive into your start of the year, which uh, basically early Jan, you took off to the States, uh, and the other week, last week, maybe just a week ago, you came back. So it was a fair chunk of time away Back out on tour, uh, back out with your players. So I know the listeners are keen to uh, get an insight into the world um, of you on the road and more importantly working with your players. And, you know, whatever you can tell us about your experiences over there, what the lay of the landscape's like, uh, what it was like um, working with the guys, how they're going. So, um, yeah, yep. welcome back, mate. Um, how are you? Thank you, Roscoe. Um, yeah, very well, mate. It's uh, I've been back just over a week now, um, which is nice. So I was, uh, was away for seven weeks in total, which is I think it's probably my longest stint uh, on the road at one at one time, especially by myself. So Jackie didn't come over at all. So um, and uh, pretty full on seven weeks. I think I had maybe three days, three and a half days off work. Um, every other day was sort of working with, with one of the crew over there and, um, you know, it's been nearly 12 months since I had the chance to get over there. So it was was really good to be out there again, working with everyone. Um, some different climates. Uh, I was uh, in Orlando and Vegas and Phoenix um, and wasn't really quite prepared for some of the conditions I was, uh, was heading into. I thought uh, Orlando being more of a sort of a tropical um, uh, climate, uh, I wouldn't need too many clothes and it, uh, it got to like two degrees there some mornings and it was absolutely freezing. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was good to see the different climates um, that I normally travel to sort of mid-year where it's summer and it's a bit warmer and, and uh, you know, Vegas is normally 50 degrees or thereabouts. And so I didn't pack very well, Roscoe, which is right. generally the theme of my, my trips. Typical Gold Coaster, you know, just thinks that it's uh, 32, <laughs> 32 everywhere and just turn up with a T-shirt, flip-flops and a ball, pair of boardies, mate. Um, no. Well, the, the funny thing the funny thing was I, I stupidly just decided to pack, you know, a couple of days prior to the trip, seven weeks. You probably should pack a little bit earlier. And I, I go to my wardrobe and I've got hardly any golf clothes. And I'm like, where have they all gone? But I realised I've been up here for two years with lockdown mm. and, and, you know, working at KDV here, I'm in – shorts and a shirt or pants and a shirt i don't have any sort of layering I, I think with the move i must have just thrown out a lot of my outerwear and i pretty much had next to nothing i had to survive on a couple of pieces until unfortunately for me i had to go and do some shopping in the u.s which <laughs> anyone that knows me knows i don't not, mind a bit of shopping yeah not an issue uh, <laughs> let's get back to the players so you know your roster of talent over there is somewhat extensive uh, most of the guys have joined us on the podcast at some stage or another, and thank you if they are listening. Uh, we appreciate all of your um, input into the podcast and making it grow. Um, back for season 22, we, we'll, we'll probably get them back on at some stage. Um, who, who? Just remind us who they are. So we've got Snides. Who else? Yeah, we've got um, 
We've got Snides. Uh, we've got Ryan Ruffles, Gabby Ruffles. We've got JD, uh, JD Hughes, who's joined us. Charles Hunsinger, who is on the Canadian tour, um, who hasn't joined us as yet. Um, and then we've got Herbie as well. Uh, there's a um, couple other clients that I sort of caught up with, not so much face-to-face, but did a, a little bit of work with, um, you know, v- via Zoom, Maddie Fraking, who uh, Maddie's been on the podcast. She had a, quite an interesting trip to South Africa to play a few events, which we're probably going to get her on the podcast next, Roscoe, to to sort of debrief that. That was a very challenging trip for her and just with travel issues, losing bags and getting COVID, um, just stuff like that. But, uh, you know, a lot of people see professional golf as very glamorous and, you know, very uh, exciting, And uh, but it is a lot harder than what a lot of people think it is. It's... Um, when I say it's full of a lot of hurdles and full of a lot of perceived failures and, and very little, very little success, um, you know, that's what professional golf is. And it's just normal. It's not that someone's struggling or doing it wrong. It's just, that's the game. It just beats you up quite a bit. And, um, you know, the, the resilience that a lot of these guys and girls, um, have and display on a daily weekly basis is is just phenomenal um so yeah i think that's sort of one thing that you know wanting to get across uh to a lot of the listeners is that um they already know that golf's hard you know for club level golfers golf's hard and you know they can deal with it because it's not their livelihood and um it's not their identity so much and but uh professional golfers they experience just as many mental challenges and hurdles and setbacks um, as club level golfers do if not more um, so you know it was really good to see uh, you know I've done a lot of work with them all via zoom over the last 12 months but it's so good to, to spend time with them face to face and and a big chunk of time you know a whole day or two or three days in a row where you're really able to unpack a lot of things and ask questions and get little nuggets of what's really going on deep down and um, so yeah, I, you know, absolutely love the trip and, uh, it was, you know, a lot of fun really trying to build some solid foundations for the, you know, for the start of their 2022 season. Okay. So let's talk about the name that probably everyone, um, looks towards when they think about the Mental Mastery Clubhouse and your work with them. Let's talk about Herbie because, you know, we saw Herbie briefly, uh, back in Australia, I caught up with him briefly when he was at the Sandbelt Classic. It was good to say a quick day. Um, yeah. he was obviously here back home which you, we know that he loves spending time at home he got a bit of a, a chill out played a little bit of professional golf but um and then went back to work over there where's herbie at you know as much as you can sort of give us an insight into there um yeah his game is um it's really close i think this is the interesting part of um the pga tour and at the level that he's playing at is his game's really close. It's probably 80 to 90% there, and it's just that 10 or 20% that just, you know, might just cost him a few shots here and there, And but his game's, his game's very close. He played the uh, – I spent the week with him at, at um, the Waste Management, the Phoenix Open, where he just missed a cut by a shot there. He played with Daniel Berger, who also missed the cut, and then you see Daniel, you know, a couple of weeks later at the Honda um, – you know, uh, have a have a 54-hole record. So I sort of see Herbie, you know, in a similar sort of position where he's, he's really close. Uh, Dom, Dom went over last week, so Dom spent the week with him. Uh, actually, he's only spent the last couple of days with him. He got there on Sunday, I think, so um, Sunday of uh, the Arnold Palmer um, or Bay Hill. Um, so 
Dom's done a couple of couple of days' work with him. Uh, some good reports coming back from Dom. His game's in a really good position. His swing's in a great position. Um, our goal now is just really trying to, to build up some consistency throughout the 2022 season. He hasn't started the year, you know, great from a results point of view, but um, he's still trying to build some foundations. Came back to Australia, um, you know, for December and didn't really touch a club and didn't train and, and you know, ate and drank with his mates and was a little bit out of shape. So started January, you know, he's just sort of, uh, he got COVID as well, so that sort of put a little bit of a uh, a halt to his sort of training. Um, so he's just really at that early those early stages, even though it's the start of March now, just the early stages of the year where he's building up some momentum um, physically, technically, um, and then mentally as well. So um, I saw this morning he was sort of three over through uh, sixteen, finished birdie birdie to get it back to one over at Bay Hill, and. Um, so hopefully that's, yeah, some good signs uh, uh, for tomorrow. Well, I guess the, the focus now for the team goes towards the big events that are coming up. Obviously, we've got the Masters uh, in April. How many weeks away now? Not many, not many weeks not away, many. six weeks away. Yeah. Will you head back over for that? Yes, I will, yeah. So he's got... Um, silly, silly, he's question, got silly question? Yeah, he's got... Uh, so this week, obviously, Bay Hill's a, a big event. He's got the Players next week, which is a massive event. Uh, then I think he's got maybe a couple of weeks off and then the possibly the match play two weeks before the Masters. So uh, we've got plenty of time to, to keep building. Dom's going to be there for six weeks, so a couple of tournament weeks, which is great, then a couple of training weeks. Um, and as I said before, all we're trying to do is really just keep building the consistency. We don't need to... Um, you know, Herbie's good, is 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 world-class. It's good enough to win any event he ever plays, including majors. We've just got to just keep sharpening up those, uh, you know, that poor 10, 20%, and that's just consistency. So um, I'll head over the week before the Masters is the ANA Championships, which is one of the ladies' majors. Um, I'll head there with Gabby. Gab's got to start in that because of her top 15 from last year. Um, and she kicks off her Symmetra tour, um, or, or it's called the Epsom tour now. Um, she kicks that off uh Tomorrow, so um, so yeah, so that's good. But uh, uh, Roscoe, I think most of us know it would be very hard to keep me away from the Masters. <laughs> uh, well, even if Herbie didn't want us there, we were going to be there. Well, I reckon, I reckon you would. <laughs> I'll uh, get my merch orders in uh, before uh, beforehand, Jamie. So uh, no problems there. Thanks very much in advance uh, for you not <laughs> offering, but me um, putting it on. Just you. stepping into it. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm going to up my luggage uh, for Qantas on the way back. That's no, for sure. Look, nothing too big. Just something small, really. Really, don't worry <laughs> about it. Um, uh, what about? So you mentioned Gabby. Yep. Uh, she had that great performance last year. As she was, an, she was still an AM when she played in the uh, AMA last year. A&A, yeah, sorry. she. Yeah, she was. Yep. Uh, on home turf for her, you know, Mission Hills. It's uh, yep. in in her backyard, so I'm going to assume that she's going to be you know re- up and about and ready for it. You know, what's is Gabby's program or the work that you do with Gabby? Obviously, it's tailored to everyone as an individual, but you know, what what what's Gabby's needs when you're there spending time with her? I think the um, she's been working with Grant Waite. Um, uh, the last, I think, maybe four months or so, five months, and uh, they've done some great work. Um, they, they're doing really well, and Gab's game is coming on really well. 
Um, and it's just, again, it's just tightening things up a little bit technically to, to just create a bit more consistency. Um, and again, that was really the whole motto of the trip, Roscoe, was for everybody. It's like, okay, it's the start of the year. People are working towards tour school. People are working towards the start of their tours. It's not just this year is a long year competitively, but their career is a long journey. So we don't want to sort of, you know, almost cram for an exam, so to speak. We don't want to just rush, um, you know, two weeks of training and, and burn ourselves out. We've just got to have a clear plan and a clear intention and just be consistent with that. And, and you know, every player is very different. You know, they're going through different stages in their life. They have different uh, external situations that impact, um, you know, uh, not only their golf, but their life in general. So, you know, I'm sort of there just helping them to try and compartmentalise golf and life and, and help to manage the things off the course that uh, that may be impacting them and um, and help them to have clarity when it comes to their, their training sessions, uh, their processes, their routine, their goals, uh, and those sort of things. You know, I always like to try and reflect on my own personal circumstances and, you know, in the right times, you know, you've given me some advice, some thoughts, some feedback on, you know, working through, you know, where my golf sat and where life sat. And, you know, I played golf yesterday and it was, I think it might have been the first competition round for the year. So it's the first week of March and I've played not not, not a lot of golf at the start of the year because, you know, my own circumstances have changed, you know, sort of working. I'm not in... Um, the city as much and I'm trying to build this new way of working which involves doing some other work for some other people and all that sort of thing and yeah. it's new um there are new skills to be learnt. uh there's a, there's a little bit of pressure and and you know responsibility back to me as an individual not as a as a leader as a manager and being able to delegate stuff so it's yeah once again back on me so I haven't been able to play a lot of personal competition golf I have played a bit of golf you know I've played pro-ams and different sorts of forms of, of a game a few social games but not the competition yeah. golf. And yesterday I played, um, I had the pleasure of being joined by Ryan Pappenhausen. If you're an NRL fan, you'll know Ryan Pappenhausen, a uh, great young man, loves his golf. Uh, can, uh, good luck this weekend playing Colts pennant, uh, Ryan, for Q Golf Club. But um, it was a stinker, like an absolute yeah. stinker of around, you know, 20-something points, 24 points to be exact. Yeah. You know, and everyone's like, what's your handicap? How's your handicap going? How's your handicap? Handicap. And like, I just want to go out and have some fun. But it, I came away realising, wow, this isn't acceptable. You know, I, I yeah. need to, I, I want to get back yeah. to where I need to be, where I want to be, where I can be, where I should be, where the yeah. potential is. And just processing that yesterday, coming back and reflecting on, I had a good time, new, met a new friend, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. wow, you know, I need to do some work. I need to get back to where I need to be because I can't, yeah. just can't keep going out and being social yeah. so it was just interesting to you know not beat myself up but but at least realize i've got some work to do and yeah. start the process yeah. to this morning what that work yeah. needs to be it was a bit like me back in i think it was maybe 19 roscoe um before covid when i i had that shoulder injury and you know i could hardly i could hardly swing a club but i still wanted to play wednesday mornings with you boys and still wanted to to go out and have some fun and I still wanted to play with with uh, Andrew, my mate, on, on a Saturday. So I'd still play a couple of times a week, but there might be holes where I might 
hit a drive and pick it up and walk because my shoulder's sore or, um, you know, and I'm in a comp and my handicap, I think, went from around three or four to eight or nine by the end of the year. And I think it's still sitting at, I haven't, I don't think I've looked at my golf link number for a while. At least 12 months. Yeah. Maybe I wouldn't know what it is. Like I, um, and I, I would love to get back to to playing golf at a at a at a, a low handicap level again. And but again, the realization is I I just don't have the time to put the practice in. So I've got to have this, and I've had to have this acceptance and flexible expectation when it comes to my golf game because um, I just I don't practice. Um, I played nine holes with high clubs when I was away um, and hit the ball a lot better than I actually thought I would have. Um, but going out in a social environment and then going out to compete, two completely different things, mm. completely different things. So, um, and as I said, I, I wouldn't know what that feels like because I, I, when I came down to Peninsula late December and, uh, and had a game like, I I don't think I kept score. It was, you know, like I, I, it was very social. It was very social, right? Um, the other point yesterday, like we've talked about this in the past, which people sometimes, you know, struggle with to um, understand why it happens or understand how to process it when it happens is I got there early and you know me, you know, early for me is like five minutes before and go boys, how are you yeah. going? Let's, let's go. Um, yeah. Was there a good two hours before the round? You know, we had uh, the new full swing launch monitor and I was showing Ryan that and we were doing some gapping for his clubs and it was all having, having a bit of fun. Had a bit of a chip. The chips were coming out beautifully. Uh, it was quite windy yesterday, hitting some seven irons and just, you know, Ryan's watching me hit low one, high one, um, you know, a little fade to just the different targets out there on the range, just going through what I usually go through. And he says, oh, what are you doing? So I'm just trying to get a feel of, you know, hitting some shots with controlling the spin. You know, obviously it's wind and, you know, I'm not a pro, as we know, but he was looking to me for some, another level of information because he's an NRL footballer. Um, so I'm just trying to knock some spin off it and just keep the ball under control because that's what's going to happen out there. So I'm just getting myself into that space. And they were, it was working beautifully. And then obviously get out there and it was just like, they all just uncrumbled. And yeah. uh, I think a lot of people sort of struggle with that range form and just expecting that that's going to continue and just go onto the course. And when it doesn't, the, the, the meltdown happens. And I didn't have the meltdown part, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah, we talked yeah. about that. What do you, you know, Remind us what happens there. Well, it's interesting because I, I, I caught up with Badge when I was in Scottsdale and um, I went over to his place and we're, we're just chatting and, you know, eventually obviously the, the, the chat comes to golf and his game. And um, he was saying that, you know, he's finding – his practice form uh, isn't quite transferring to, to tournament golf as much as he'd like. And we were just chatting about um, how much he goes out on the course and plays now. Like he's sort of realised that he maybe was spending too much time practising and not as much time playing. And he's starting to see some some scores, you know, on the board. He, uh, I think he was leading at the Corn Ferry a couple of weeks ago after the first round and, but we spoke about uh, Jeff Ogilvy the year that he um, 
I think it was the year that he won the US Open. Around that period, he was spending a lot of time on the range and not enough time on the course. And he sort of flipped that. He and Lynchy, uh, you know, spoke about, okay, just go and play. Do very minimal work on the range, but spend a lot of time out on the golf course playing holes and playing games. And, and he started to do that. And then very quickly, within a matter of months, he started to see results, started to contend, and then ultimately, you know, won a, won a major. And I think that's the important thing with um, with all my clients, uh, golfers of all level, whether they're the players that I went away and worked with or whether they're club-level golfers, it's so easy to spend so much time on the practice facilities because it's convenient and also because you feel like you're getting more work done in a short period of time. I can go to the range and I can hit 300 balls in an hour and feel like I've got some good practice in as opposed to go on to the, the golf course for an hour. You might play three holes mm. like, and you feel like, oh, I haven't done enough work. But the thing is, is that those three holes from a value point of view, when it comes to your Saturday competition is so much more valuable than the hour on the range beating, uh, you know, hundreds of balls. So it's, really making sure people understand the patterns that the patterns that they're, I suppose, tapping into or using when they're playing a comp round versus the patterns they're building in practice or in training. So if you look at patterns in a comp round, you hit one ball, you've got a really sharp level of focus for probably 30 seconds, and then you switch off for five or six or seven minutes. And then you switch on again for 30 seconds with a completely different club on maybe an uneven lie or out of the rough, and then you switch off for another four or five minutes. So if we look at that, that's the cognitive pattern, that's the environment that we perform in in a, in a, in a club comp. How often are you actually training in that same environment where you're hitting a shot, switching off for four or five minutes, changing clubs for every shot, like trying to replicate that competition environment um, you know, if we took a poll of a thousand club golfers, you know, what percentage of their training would replicate uh, that environment? There wouldn't be very many that would yeah. even be able to say five percent. Uh, not that it's relative to the performance yesterday, but when I sit here and reflect and listen and think about uh, you know the golf that I've played since we were together, November, December, yeah. January, February, uh, yeah. and you know me, I was frequently. Uh, Sunday afternoon and anytime it'd be that four hole loop or six hole loop around you know, PK doing yep. exactly that Some, and yep. very little time on the range. Um, yep. That hasn't, that's, that's the part that's actually not happened. Um, so yep. thanks. Cause yeah, I mean, yesterday I had a, a first session with a young client up here, a, a Sri Lankan boy who is leaving in about a week to play the Sri Lankan amateur, um, big international amateur event over there. And, Obviously, up on the Gold Coast, we've had a lot of flooding and, and a lot of the golf courses are still closed. He's got a net at home and he said, you know, what can I do? I said, okay, do you know the course you're playing at in Sri Lanka? And he said, I played there once, but I got up on Google Earth and I, and I looked at the holes and mapped it out and it was, it was all good. Um, I said, so what I want you to do in your net at home, I want you to actually imagine yourself playing the golf course. So stand behind the ball I want you to gaze into the net, but I want you to imagine the first hole. What are the contours? Where are the bunkers? 
and try to imagine that hole and then hit the shot that you would hit on that tee and then hit the shot you'd hit into the green and hit the little chip shot or the pitch shot. And I said, try and really engage in that quality of training in your net at home. Then what at least you're trying to replicate the environment that you're going to be performing in or engaging yourself in something that relates to that. And that's where I think, you know, the the sims these days are fantastic. You can go into your drum and, and, and jump on a sim and get a course up and play a course. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think that's such a great way to train. So, you know, Melbourne winters, it's like you might not be able to get out there and do much practice, but really nowadays there's no excuse with, with the quality of the sims and, and, and you can really, you know, really engage in some pretty relevant training. Uh, just on that point, and thanks for mentioning the the simulators, Mike Caridi, uh, my co-host on the other podcast, I mean, uh, the My Love of Golf podcast, uh, the other night we had a catch-up on the Monday. Uh, we came yeah. in and replicated Ricky Fowler's closing stage to the 2015 uh, TPC event. So we played 16, 17, 18, where I think he went like five or six under in, in three holes to make the playoff yeah. and then go on to win. And yeah. Um, yeah, so I very rarely play on the simulators too, but... Uh, it was great. Like it was, it, we had it set up for you know tough Sunday pin. So the the island green, the the pin yeah. was set that front uh, as you face it, front right, and uh, yeah. it, it was it was a lot of fun. And you know people ask about simulator golf all the time, and I say, look, obviously you're hitting off a mat, so your practice is hitting off a mat when you're hitting banging balls out in the range. The, yeah. the simple process is, you've got to hit better shot. You've got to hit good shots to make a good score on a simulator. Yeah, you still yeah. got to hit the ball to a target. You still got to hit your pitching wedge 130 yards to a target. Yeah. If you, yeah. if you, we we played it a couple of times, and we in the first time around we dunked a couple in the water, yeah. as, as you'd expect. Um, yeah. yeah, no good feedback. Um, we we started saying let's talk about your trip. I want to end the podcast on talking about your trip. Yeah, uh, it was an event that caused it causes a lot of interest um, in the world of golf, but. More, more so than the world of golf. It gets eyeballs on the game, the, the uh, waste management at uh, TPC Scottsdale, um, which, yeah. you, which you can also play on a simulator. Um, yeah. Drum and Golf Melbourne. Um, <laughs> it got a lot of eyeballs on there. You know, the, the fans seemed to go a little bit extra cocoa bananas this year. What was that like on the ground? You know, is it too much? Is it good for golf? Uh, is, the, is it real? Obviously it's real. But what was it like for you seeing that for the first time? Oh, look, I think um, is it good for golf? Uh, I'm trying to come up with a conversation of why it's not good for golf and I can't find one. Mm. You know, like would every tournament every week want to be like that? Probably not. Um, you know, there's, you know, you've got the Masters, which is up the, up the far other end of, um, you know, the history of the game and, um, respect and all that, all that stuff versus the waste management, which is, it's you know some players don't like it, some players absolutely love it. I think, unfortunately, you know Herbie just missed the cut, so we weren't there for the weekend hole in ones where the crowd went absolutely bananas. But we were there late Friday afternoon, um, so teed off one late Friday afternoon. Had a really good group with Charlie Hoffman and uh, Daniel Berger. Hoff being a, a local obviously gets a lot of support and, uh, you know, just it was a really great event. I didn't see – obviously you get, you know, 
you get the people that have had too much to drink, you know, by 11 o'clock in the morning. and But they're not really causing too much trouble. They're not really in your face. Um, you know, I think it was uh, it was a really good event. Uh, the team enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, Herbie loved it. I'm sure he'll he'll be back. And um, just Scottsdale in general is a, is a great place. Um, the city was pumping for the week. They have concerts on. It's um, it is a really 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 great event, and uh, I think one that golf definitely needs. Uh, I said we were going to finish uh, talking about the waste management. But I want to finish talking about the two players that you spent some time around. You mentioned them there, Berger and Hoffman. Yeah. And, you know, combine Herbie into that uh, trio, totally three different total styles of golfers. Uh, once, yeah. once again, you know, just another proof that, you know, the, the golf swing, your own golf swing is your own golf swing and, and getting the ball in the hole in the least amount of shots. You know, whether you're a 20 handicapper comparing yourself to the other 20 handicapper, you know, swing, your swings, your swing. Get some coaching, yeah. work on your swing. But what was yeah. it like seeing those two other alternate type types of uh, of golfer? You know, like Danny Berger, you know, hitting these low piercing, cutting bullets. Uh, yeah. What was it? You know, what was that like up at, up close and personal? Yeah, we got to play. We played a practice round with Daniel on the Wednesday. Um, he gets coached by Cam McCormick, Jordan Speed's coach, and an Aussie coach. Um, I know Cam uh, fairly well. I've worked. Uh, with one of his players through uh, through the years, so we've you know communicated. So we jump on the first tee, and Cam's there. We say good day and um, meet Daniel. And anyway, what I found was interesting was he and Herbie hit balls off the first tee. Daniel was only playing nine holes because he knows the course pretty well, and he uh, he turned to, to Herbie and said, "Do you want to play a cash game?" He goes, "If I don't play a cash game, he goes, I'm just this is a waste of time. So you up for a cash game?" And Herbie's like, "For sure." So. They played, you know, uh, a cash game and uh, they had extra on top for birdies and um, just good fun banter. They, they've played together before. They know one another. So it was just really good to see um, them both just go from this pretty sort of not disinterested, but they're having a practice round, nothing really matters, to all of a sudden like locking in and um, and competing. And it was it was great to see, you know, Daniel's a – a great player, you know, unique golf swing. Um, didn't play the, that well that week, but uh, obviously we saw at the Honda, you know, last week how, how well he can play um, holding that 54-hole lead. And um, so he's, he was great. Charlie was, Charlie, you know, a bit older and um, he, he played really well. He was, you know, in contention there after a couple of rounds until he had a little bit of a mishap Um you probably saw it all over Twitter, but um, he sort of dropped the ball, hit a ball in the water hazard, um, so took a drop, placed the ball, walked up on the fairway to have a look at the pin, and while it was up there, the ball had rolled back in the water. Um, so I think he ended up making a double there. But, um, you know, he was, he was great, uh, really nice guy, family really nice. He had a lot of support from friends uh, in the local area. And, um, yeah, just... Seeing the difference in all the players, um, one thing was, you know, very common was, one, they hit bad shots just like we do. But the thing that they all do so well is they let go of those bad shots. The bad shots don't mean anything. You know, their confidence and self-belief is never impacted in any capacity by a bad shot or a bad round. It's almost like, 
they already know that that's part of the journey. And when it happens, it happens, they move on. And um, obviously that's a lot to do with experience and, and possibly a lot to do with good training as well. But um, I think that's the big thing for, for club golfers is a bad shot or a bad hole or a bad round. If you cannot let that impact your self-belief and, and what you're capable of doing and how you're capable of playing, then I think you're going to not only enjoy the game a whole lot more, but actually give yourself a chance to, to play better as well. Yeah, you, you remind me of the post that you uh, put up this morning. You saw something about the Art of Amnesia, which is, of course, one of the courses inside the Mental Mastery Clubhouse, which is a great way of getting the information that we talk about and skirt around the sides about, getting the absolute in-close, up-close and personal detail from all of your content. Um, but you mentioned Art of Amnesia, and I reflect on my round yesterday with uh, Ryan Pappenhausen. NRL background in the best system in the NRL under Craig Bellamy, you know, arguably the best coach in the last, you know, 20 years. I could see, you know, Ryan didn't play very well either, um, but I could see that in his game, you know, bad shot and just the way that he was able to reset. It was almost like he was resetting for another defensive or attacking play that, okay, I'm over here in the trees. Now, there was no moaning. There was no, I don't usually do this. There was no, this is not good enough. There was no, none of that. It was just like, right, yeah. what's next, Rossi? Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't think about that before we started the podcast, but you mentioned it and I was yeah. just reflecting on yesterday again and thought I saw that trade in, in another athlete, high-performing yeah. athlete, being able to deliver and bring that to his golf game. So uh, just back yeah. up the information you just say there. And I think, I think that's why we see so many really great athletes come to golf and do really well in golf because they've already got a great foundation mentally and cognitively of what skills they need when they're competing. So, you know, because a lot of the same cognitive skills apply to a lot of different sports. So whether it's, you know, um, Steph Curry, um, you know, playing golf and uh, he's a, he's a great golfer, um, but he's also, you know, one of the best basketballers in the world. And there's, you know, Tony Romo. There's so many Marty Fish. There's so many elite athletes from other sports that come to golf and just do so well. Um, and it's, you know, not really because they've spent so much time training and practicing and working on their game. It's They've already got this great foundation of cognitive skills that they can just take to the golf course the very next day. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a really important thing. Um you know that uh, the, the elite players, the pros, uh, you know, just got that ability to to forget shots and not let a poor a poor shot or a poor round or a poor tournament impact the next tournament or the next shot or the next round. So it's something that uh, I think all of us club level golfers can can work on for sure. Now, last one from me before we finish up, uh, and once again to you, it's a question without notice. But you know, thinking about what I started with or what I, when I talked about my own game. You know, I wanted to try and put a little bit more impact and emphasis around the performance part of it rather than just the social part. Got another round on the weekend at a place that you're fairly familiar with, uh, Royal Melbourne West Course, playing with yeah. a friend who's a member there, which is great. Um, so, you know, if I was one of your players and you you know I was going out to play around and, you know, had some significance, would you set them a challenge? You know, is there a challenge that you can set to me? Is there something that you can say, hey, Ross, I want you to you know, knowing what I want to achieve, I want you to go yeah. out and, and focus on this or or think about this or do this? I think 
I think the important thing, all I'd probably say, knowing that your your, your practice and your, your your training and your preparation from a a repetition point of view probably hasn't been a lot, so we can't expect you to go out there and have forty two points. But if we set up a building block expectation that allows you to create some some freedom, some flexibility, a healthy relationship with a poor shot or a poor hole. Um, and what I mean by that is if we set you the goal of having 30 points or more, mm-hmm. when you have a, if you hit a bad shot or when you hit a bad shot and when you have a bad hole, your goal is still achievable. It's not under complete threat. So when we set that bit of a lower expectation, but 30 points or more, it's going to put you in a much more comfortable cognitive space and, and, and environment mentally for you to be able to just play golf, accept a poor shot, not be confronted by a poor shot um, and still activate a bit of that competitiveness. Sometimes when we go out there and we have a goal of 36 points and we have a couple of bad holes, our goal now is threatened um, and maybe not achievable. And then that deactivates our competitiveness. So we want to always try and keep that competitiveness activated for the entire round of golf no matter what's happening. So I think 30 points or more and then maybe, you know, 33 points or more if you're you're doing well through 12 holes or so. Um, And then, you know, if you're doing wonderfully well, then 36 or more, you know, through 15 holes. So we we break that down into sort of the the smaller chunks of of time, 12 holes, 15 holes. Um, You can reset goals mid-round depending upon – you know, where you're going, because we want to always activate that competitiveness, even if you're really, really, you know, struggling. Well, I will do that. I will report in. I will keep uh, a little log of that. And uh, maybe in a future podcast, we can discuss how that goes, or I might send you uh, something you can post out. That'd be great. Jamie, anything else from you? Uh, and we'll wrap it up and you've got to keep going. I've got to keep going. Um, anything else? Excellent, mate. No, that's great. Great to catch up. Great to, to chat. And, um, yeah, we'll look forward to catching up again soon. I know I'm coming down to Wellman next week, so I think we are playing together hopefully Saturday week, Saturday afternoon. So maybe that can be another podcast uh, that both of us have of our rounds together. Uh, it'll be my first 18-hole round in I don't want to think how long. Well, since uh, maybe with Chris Smith back there at uh, – Pre-Christmas and Keely Marks. Actually, yes, we did play pre-Christmas. So was that in December? Yeah, it was. I think it was the week between Christmas and New Year, or before. Ah, okay, yeah. so that was perfect. So that's that's that would be my last eighteen holes. Um, and then yeah, I, I I probably should get up on my golf and could have a look at how many rounds I've played in the last twelve months. But um, in, oh, you know, we could keep talking about Keely. You know, we need to get Keely on the podcast one day. But you know, wow. You know, she didn't play that well the day that we played together. Uh, but you know, the the amount of experience that she's had and some of the results that culminated in her, you know, top of the table um, finish at the Vic Open, which was a tough, tough four days of golf for any golfer, let alone the girls, yep. all the boys. Um, yeah, she's doing really well, um, which is great. She, to see. I, I have her penciled in for a podcast. She may even be the next podcast. Um, she sent me a message the other day, a screenshot of the. Women's, the Australian Women's Amateur National Rankings. So every amateur golfer, female in the country, she sent me a screenshot of the national rankings and she's sitting atop of the table. Yeah, it's great. It's been, so, it's been a long-held goal for her and, you know, there's 
plenty of great talent that are sitting in around her in that table. Don't worry about yeah. that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you know the work she's put in. Uh, I know I've yeah. known her as a very junior, junior golfer, young, young lady, and now watching yeah. her go into a, a into a wonderful young golfer and a wonderful yeah. young lady. Um, so yeah. it would be good to catch up with her on the podcast. That'd be great. All right, mate. We'll th- do that. Thanks for that. Uh, we'll see. Thanks, you Roscoe. Soon. Um, check us out at the Mental Mastery Clubhouse. Uh, the details are in the in the links and the everything below here. Um, if you can't find that, uh, just let us know. Um, and anyone wants any to talk about that, just uh, hit Jamie out with a message and he'll take you through what's inside the Mental Mastery Clubhouse. And uh, until then, we'll see you next week on the pod. Well, next week, next time. Um, thanks, Jamie. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Okay. Thanks for joining us on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you. If you want to bridge the gap between potential and performance and start to build your own unbreakable mental game today, join us over at mentalmastery.com.au at the Mental Mastery Clubhouse where we would love to connect with you and see you on the inside of the clubhouse where we can continue the mental performance journey. It's been a pleasure having you. See you next time.